There are many more that have registered that I'm sure are going to sign up shortly. Um, but let's start out with thanking Rabbi Gilbert from OJE, his wife, Edisheva, for arranging the, uh, for hosting the webinar. Very grateful to them. And uh, thank you to all of you for joining us. Great to have you with us. And of course, a very big thank you to Rabbi Wan. Um, Rabbi Wan is uh, somebody who doesn't need an introduction to any of us in South Africa and to most Jews around the world. Rabbi Wan has been leading and educating and inspiring Jews around the globe for many decades. And uh, he has done so through his talks, through his books, through his tapes, his website, destiny.com. Uh, Rabawan.com, and uh, we're very grateful to him for his very precious time, for sharing his wisdom with us in our preparations for Shavuos at the end of the week. Uh, Rabawan will be speaking on Sefer, the book Megillas Rus, the book of Ruth. Rabawan, take us away. Thank you, Rabbi Saxton. A pleasure to be with all of you. And uh, I hope that everyone is well, and we uh, will all get through this, God willing. And uh, it will be an experience that we will always remember, but uh, I hope that we will grow as well. Anyway, uh, the uh, holiday of Shavuos is upon us one of the uh, Shalosh Regolim, and uh, customary, according to the uh, <coughs> Ashkenazic custom, but according to many other customs as well, the Rus is read, uh, in Israel it's read on the one day, uh, here uh, in America and in uh, South Africa, It'll be read on Shabbat. The Book of Ruth uh, has many, many facets to it. All of Torah is uh, seen, uh, should be seen, different levels. There's uh, what it says, and then there's a level of understanding, and then there's a level of application, and then there's a level of spirituality, and there's a level of eternity, and uh, all these levels exist. So I want to discuss with you uh, just two or three highlights from the Megillah uh, all of which I think is, are very germane and telling to us, especially now. The first thing is, Resilience after tragedy. The book of Ruth begins that there's a wealthy family and they have uh, everything, children, they have wealth, they have stature. And what happens is uh, that uh, for various reasons, which uh, the rabbis deal with, uh, they leave the land of Israel and move to the land of Moab, 
because of a plague. Uh, it's an epidemic. It's hunger. It's a very bad uh, crop. There will not be enough food to eat. Uh, Chazal uh, portray it in a uh, critical form by saying that uh, he was afraid that he would be so burdened by the poor by requests that uh, he would uh, therefore uh, be unable to have a normal life. So he leaves the land of Israel and goes to Moab there to escape. The only problem is in life, all know that there really are no ways to escape. And that because of that, therefore, our attempts to escape many times uh, appear uh, later to have been counterproductive. So he and his wife Naomi and their two sons, Machlon and Chilion, come to the land of Moab. So originally they're coming only for a while, not for an extended period of time. Uh, when the hunger will uh, disappear, they'll go back. But uh, what happens is that they settle there and they find life to be pleasant. And because of that, uh, they don't go back. And they become uh, Moabites, so to speak. And then tragedy strikes them. Machon Chilion marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And the Tanakh, it says, they were there, that's, uh, that's it. They're uh, Moabites of the Mosaic persuasion. And then tragedy follows them. Machon Achilion die. Her husband Elimelech dies. And Naomi is left alone, widowed. with two daughters-in-law who are not acceptable in Moabite society since they married the Jewish boys. According to the Medrash, they were were princesses of Moab and uh, they lost their stature. So now you have, and this is in the ancient world, to be a woman alone was a great challenge. And Naomi is alone. And she herself uh, reviews what happened. 
the tragedies that have befallen her. And she has heard that the hunger is no longer an issue in the land of Israel. So she wants to go home. She wants to go to where she is comfortable, comfortable within herself, not comfortable in terms of society and wealth, but uh, she wants to go. We all have a desire to go home. So then the question is, what happens with these two daughters-in-law? Because to them, Beislechem, uh, Yehuda is not home. It's a strange land with a strange language, with a strange religion. But Naomi decides she's going. That's her resilience. She realizes that perhaps they made a bad mistake, but she's going to rectify it. She's going to go home. And uh, their two daughters-in-law accompany her part of the way. And she attempts to dissuade them. Alma Benosai, please, no. It's my fault. Rabboni Shalom has embittered me. Go go back and try to make a life for yourself and your own. Try and marry and have a family, have a future. Don't, what are you coming with me, an old lady? What am I going to do for you? Orpa uh, agrees. So even though she puts up a front, I cannot desert you, I'm going to go with you. But she's not committed to go. A wonderful. Uh, Expression here. Ratishak es chamoso. She kissed Naomi, but she kissed her goodbye. Uh, Judaism does not last with a kiss. There has to be a much stronger commitment. There are a lot of people that kiss. But that doesn't do it. It's insufficient in the long run. Just to have an emotional attachment, as important as that is. But if that's all there is, so then it's too fragile to withstand the pressures of time and circumstance. So our police. According to the Medrash, a remarkable Medrash, Orpa is going to be the uh, great-grandmother of uh, the giant uh, Goliath of Goliath, so that the uh, Rus and Orpa will meet again in the form of David and Goliath. 
which is one of the ironies of life. And uh, it begins with Orpah's kiss. And from that comes this giant tyrant and uh, the young little shepherd boy that will So now Rus is left with Naomi. And Naomi uh, attempts to dissuade her. We have the uh, rudiments, uh, the framework of the conversion process in Jewish halacha. Rus uh, accepts upon herself the uh, mitzvot the idea of the uniqueness of the Jewish people, your people are my people, your God will be my God. She commits herself to the end. Only death shall we be parted. Naomi sees the depth of Ruth's commitment, so she leaves her alone. She no longer argues with her. That really is the structure that we have regarding conversion and converts. That when we become convinced that the convert really intends to accept Judaism, so then we teach the convert and welcome the convert. And uh, Rus uh, is going to be a high heroine, which is another lesson here of this entire book, is that uh, the Lord doesn't follow our blueprints he has his own way of working out things. So that David HaMelech, who is the uh, monarch of the Jewish people, David Melech Yisrael Chai Kayon, and David HaMelech, who uh, is the progenitor of the, the Messianic time and of the Messiah, and David HaMelech, who is the symbol of everything great in Jewish uh, the Lord extracts him from Rus, uh, the Moabite princess, from Lot, the nephew of Avram Avinu, who was not loyal to his uncle. So uh, we would not uh, think uh, very highly of uh, such a yichus. Uh, we wouldn't say uh, that that really is the pedigree that we're looking for. But the Lord has his uh, own way, as we all know. And many times in life, the people that are chosen for greatness uh, are not necessarily those that we ourselves would have chosen if we were the ones that had the ability to choose.
in Moshe Rabbeinu also. Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, he, he killed an Egyptian. He runs away for 60 years. He's a shepherd. He's married the daughter of Yisro. He's a stammerer. You know, what are you talking about, right? Couldn't get a job as a rabbi. He becomes the great teacher of humanity. Master teacher of humanity. So we always, one of the lessons here is that we always have to be less judgmental. We don't know how it's going to work out, and we don't know why, and we don't even know who. And that becomes very, very important. Now, it's not to minimize uh, our pedigree, it's not to minimize scholarly attainment, especially in Torah. But Harvey Shluchim Lamokov, there are as many agents that he works through. Human beings who have freedom of choice, but nevertheless, somehow, out of their own inner soul, follow the guidance of heaven and become the leaders and become the 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 game changers in Jewish life and in world history as well. So that should give us pause when we judge because uh, who knows? Who who knows? And when uh, Rus and Naomi come to base Lechem, uh, so uh, they don't get a very warm reception. Hazos Naomi, this is Naomi, I remember. She was such a fancy lady. She in rags. She was a princess. And now she's alone in the world. And look who she has as a daughter-in-law, a woman of Moab. And this was at a time, as the Gemara points out, that it was not clear that the the women of Moab were not included in the uh, halacha that a Moabite could not become a convert. They didn't know yet Moabi Velo Moabis. They didn't, uh, it wasn't accepted yet. So she's a pariah. Stranger. And Naomi uh, agrees. Naomi, don't call me Naomi. Naomi is pleasantness, beauty. Krenolimora, call me bitterness. Because... I have suffered greatly. And that's the end of the first part. On a simple level. But again, with dramatic lessons for all of us.
So we would think that the Naomi should quit, right? She got home, okay. There's no future. Ruth has no future. Nothing. But that's not the nature of Naomi. And that's not the nature of the Jewish people. And uh, Naomi is looking how to build a future, which is the main task of the Jewish people and of Jews individually, how to build the future. What about tomorrow? We call that resilience, whatever word you want to use. But it's a very necessary trait because life is full of blows and everyone is affected by them. I mean, I, what we're experiencing now, if somebody would have told you this six months ago, you'd say he's crazy. People, some people have lost everything. Then people have lost their lives. The whole psychology of the world has changed. So then the question is, what about now? What about tomorrow? What are we going to build? What does life have a meaning for us? I'm always struck by the uh, comparison uh, with uh, Noah when he comes out of the ark. So what does he do? Seems that the world's been destroyed. And uh, according to the Medrash, uh, because of the fact that he sees that everything has been destroyed, he, he's also destroyed. So he became the lost, he lost the future. He lost the holiness. Climbed to the vineyard, and out of that came all sorts of problems. Avroma Vinu, after every trouble, he looks to the future. He stands up. He's looking to the future. Now what are we going to do? And uh, the last hundred years in Jewish life is a testimony to that. Jewish people were destroyed. So it's easy to say, let's forget the whole thing. And there were many who said that. And there were many who said there's no hope for the future. And that we might as well give up. But it hasn't turned out that way. Again, because of the resilience, because the willingness to look to the future. So Naomi is looking to the future. And she says, I'm going to look. And he says to Ruth, I'm looking at Manoach, you should find a good situation that'll be good for you, etc. He doesn't tell her, go quit. I can't help you anymore. It's all over. And that's a remarkable trait. And that's why in the book of Ruth, 
Naomi is really the heroine, even for we see it later. It says, Yula ben Lenomi. Naomi had the child. Naomi didn't have the child. The child was had by Ruth. But Naomi is the one that created the situation that you could have a child. My daughter, I'm going to find for you a situation that something can be in. And here also strange things happen. She goes to the field to collect, to glean grain. And somehow uh, she comes across Boaz. Boaz is, uh, according to Chazal, he's the Shofet Yivtsun. He's the leader of the tribe, the leader of Israel. He's not a young man anymore. He himself also has just suffered tragedy. According to the Medrash, his wife has passed away. Now, if the, I want to tell you, we are all uh, natural shatronim, right? To be a Jew. You know, I know a boy, and you know a girl, and we're going to put them together, and everybody's in the business. But if you wanted to be a shatchan here, you would never put the two together. You would never, in your wildest dreams, you know, send the resume of Ruth to Boaz, vice versa. So here we have... Uh, uh, the, the, another prime example of how heaven uh, mocks us. Uh, it's not to say way either. I do things differently. Because we are limited as human beings. Our knowledge is limited. Our foresight is limited. Our tastes are limited. The Rabboni Shalom has no limits. And since he has no limits, everything is possible. And what we regard as impossible is what always happens. If you look again, uh, the story of the last hundred years of the Jewish people, it's the story of impossibilities. None of it could have happened, but it all happened. I think if everybody looks uh, at the history of South African Jewry, you'll also say none of this could have happened. And if we look at our own personal families and our own personal life, none of this could have happened. But uh, you know, here is a look, it's all happened. It, uh, here it is, stares us in the face. A remarkable, remarkable thing. And that's how to view things. So a person should never say, as we said before, I give up. That's not allowed. And a person should never say, it can't be. 
does somehow what can't be is or will be. And we cannot say cavalierly that we know what the future brings. So Naomi engineers this shidduch. And Boaz, again, Boaz is uh, almost trapped by the circumstances. He finds a woman sleeping next to him. He doesn't know what to do. And not only that, with the acquisition of Rus, uh, he has to redeem property. There's an estate that has to be settled. and all sorts of problems here. So Boaz himself hesitates. As anyone would. And so he says to her, you know, yes, I'm going to take care because you should know that there is someone who has a prior claim to the matter. There's someone else that's ahead of me. And if he wants to exercise his option, then I have to let him do it. So that's uh, the escape clause of Boaz, so to speak, which we can well identify with, I believe. Now, the man who has this prior right is a man named Tov. What a wonderful name. In Hebrew, we find the name often for women, Tova. But we don't find it in popular use as a name for boys because of this story because here he's named Tov and Boaz gives him the whole proposition Elimelech has fields they were, we have the right of redemption to get the fields back the property to settle the estate it's a good deal property in the land of Israel is worth money Always goes up. You know, all of us could have bought Racham here 40 years ago for half the price today. So I'm giving you a good deal. Wise investment. And Tov says, great, you know. But then uh, Boaz adds the uh, further problem here that uh, with the redemption of the property comes Rus. And Tov backs off. Penashchi says, because I don't know, you know, who knows what's going to be here. Negative things will occur. I pass on it. 
And Boaz had committed. He said, If Tov is willing to redeem you, then he'll redeem you. And if he does not, he takes an oath. I will redeem you. Unfortunately, say he takes the oath because of the fact that otherwise he would waver at the end as well. He knew himself. He knows the risk involved here. He knows what they will say. Can you imagine? Be written up in the newspaper. Boaz marries Ruth. Right, it would be uh, Prince Charles marries Diana. Tabloid thing. But he took the oath. And therefore he marries her. And they have a child. And as I mentioned before, when the child is born, all of the neighbors, the women said, you lot been what Naomi, oh, look what Naomi did here. Naomi has a child. Naomi has a future. And what a future. Oved, Ishai, David, what a future. Who would have imagined such a thing? But the Torah teaches us how to look at life. And life is nothing but a series of challenges, of crises, of varying degrees of intensity, naturally. But uh, no one passed through this world unscathed. It says in the Postsuch, a person is born for toil, for the challenge of it. Ashri mi Fortunate is the person that realizes that these toils have a spiritual value to them. It would define our purpose of life. That's our chance for greatness and eternity. That's the building block to our future. And then that becomes the greatness of the story of the characters in this book, in this little Megillah. Because this is the story of life, story of human beings. Not a fanciful story. It's told as a narrative, almost as a short story. I once read that this is the classic short story in biblical literature. But we can't view it that way. This is the classical story of us, of what we're supposed to be. So we're all Naomi. 
and we're all Rus, and we're all Boaz, and we try not to be Elimelech, and we try not to be Tov, not to miss the opportunities that are granted to us. And the opportunities always come at the moment of challenge. The moment of crisis. So uh, as we recover from this uh, pandemic, this crisis that has befallen us and all of mankind, uh, we have to look to the future. We have to build our future and to build it on positive Torah values, on Jewish resilience, on appreciation of what we are and what we should be doing and who we are, not to be cowed by it, not to somehow feel that, uh, what can I do? I can do a lot. I have to try and do what I can. So I think that it's very instructive for us, even on the surface of this study of the Book of Rus, because it speaks to us. The Torah itself says, Sefer told us, it's the book of human beings. The Torah is not a book of laws, it's a book of life. That's how we have to look at it and appreciate it fulfill it and follow it. So I want to wish you all a very happy Yom Tov. You and your families, everyone should be well. And the Mir Hashem will all get to see each other in person. In your Shalim. And be well, everyone. And thank you for listening. Cold to Selah. Amen. Shkoya, thank you, Rabbi Wan. Yeah, it was thank you, very moving and very beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Look after yourself and have a wonderful Yom Tov. And Rabbi Gilbert's going to close off for us. Rabbi Wan, it's a real honor and pleasure to, uh, to have you. Literally, we feel in South Africa, you've been a pioneer of vision and uh, only when you can really look in your past in your history and realize where your future is that's really the story of the jewish people and there's no one who's illustrated that to us more than you in your vision of putting movies together with rashi and rambam and giving over thousands and thousands of lectures about what jewish history is and enlightening the Jewish people with everything that you've given. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be able to host you for this uh, period of time, short period of time before Shavuot. And, uh, you know, Rabbi Saxton has had a very close Kesha with you for many years. And it's just a real, real pleasure and honor to have you here. And we just want to thank you for your precious time. And uh, we really, really think that this has been an amazing opportunity for the South African jury to be able to enjoy these words of wisdom. And we wish you a wonderful Yontav and thank you for everything that you've done for us.
Thank you, Rabbi Gilbert. Shkoyach. Thank you to all the listeners out there. We hope that you have a wonderful uh, evening and thank you for sharing and being part of our experience this evening. Look after yourselves, stay safe and be blessed.